Welcome to Midnight Flicks, a podcast dedicated to movies relegated to a late night purgatory. I am one of your spooky hosts, Pat Mitchell, and joining me on this <laughs> this joining me on this spooky expedition is Spooky Adam Walker. Spooky, how are you? Not to be confused with Spooky Molder. No, God, you're the Molder to my Scully. I'm not, though. Remember. The discussion that we had was, I'm more. Yeah, we're the other fucking way. I'm, around, I'm, the, I'm the I'm the skeptic, and you're the believer. Well, let's not get into an X Files wormhole. But later on, uh, Doggett becomes the fucking Scully, and Scully becomes the Molder. Okay, so maybe so. I don't know. Maybe it depends on what. I don't, I don't want to be Doggett, and I'm sure you don't either. Yeah, well, maybe that's my character arc then. Throughout this, um. I'm doing fine. I mean, you know, we haven't talked in like a couple months. We took a break there, and now we're gonna we're gonna do this this uh, Halloween special for a few weeks here, and that'll be fun. And we'll take a, a winter break. Um, as far as on my end, despite everything else, you know, kind of still being a, a trash fire for you know most people. My life is kind of getting back to a regularity um, that it, that it had before. I got a new job. I'm glad to hear I, it. Yeah. I, I, w- I was actually kind of, I was more or less required to, I, if I could have wrote out the unemployment thing longer, I would have, but it just wasn't feasible. And I just had to bite the bullet and get back into the workforce. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a laboring individual once again, after a, my uh, early six-month uh, retirement. Back on the hobby horse. I love it. My 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 COVID retirement. Yeah, so. If only it were longer. I I'm sorry that it wasn't. That's all right. Um, that's fine. You know, it's it's whatever. It, it's whatever. There there there's things about getting more into a regular uh, scheduled routine that that I do appreciate that that was lacking. Um, in my kind of free form, weird existence that I was having for six months. So it's fine. Oh, I'm sure you appreciate it. So that makes sense. How, how have you been? I feel like things haven't really been much different for you for a while. You you were working pretty much On the, the whole thing. Front, nothing has changed. Still doing. Yeah. Still being dad and working from home five days a week. Uh, oh, I, yeah. It's I was going to say, I, I, I'm sure that you're I, I see that you're a happy camper, that sports are back. Sports have filled the void in my yes. Sports have filled a very necessary void. I'm a big sportsman myself. Uh, mm-hmm. I love my teams, so it's it's glad I'm I'm glad to have them back. 
I've also filled a cinematic void with this strange expedition that I've put myself on, which is to watch every Tom Cruise movie. Uh, that's the thing I'm currently on, and I'm in his working through the 80s. I'm actually almost done with 80s Cruise. Uh, lots of 80s Cruise, or especially early on, is just like sex pot comedies. So that shit kind of sucks. But then he just like. The evolution of Cruz is just so interesting to me, like him just watching him transform into the biggest star on the fucking planet and just rattle off like Top Gun, Rain Man, Color of Money, Born on the Fourth of July, like just dropping fucking bangers all over the place. I love Tom Cruise. So a lot of this is watching a lot of these movies for the first time uh, because there's lots of Cruz I haven't seen and then rewatching some of the classics. So that's been super fun. Yeah, I noticed I I didn't even put it together that that was the uh, trajectory you were going uh, on. But I did see via Instagram you were watching Risky Business. And I think maybe I saw you post something about Color of Money. Yeah, I love Color of Money. Yeah. 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 The the Hustler, which is the um, Paul Newman movie from the 60s. It's the it's Color of Money is a is a unofficial slash official sequel to uh the hustler and it, yeah i fuck it, that movie rips i love that movie paul newman is my favorite actor of all time so watching him and Cruz just riff through that movie is like so good and i hadn't seen it in a while and i had to do it for this for the sake of this stupid shit that i'm putting myself through so but th- that <laughs> that kind of stuff is fun like i, I can't wait to watch rain man again because rain man is actually one of my favorite movies ever uh so I'll rewatch that, and once I get through '80s, I'll, I'll start pounding through the through the '90s, which I'm actually really excited for. But yeah, that that is super fucking great. But I'm also super excited for this for the this five part series that we're about to do on because Midnight Flicks. We are we talk about a lot of different movies, but in our hearts and the blood that runs through our boners is for horror <laughs> movies. Uh, yes, you know, between the two of us, I feel like if we went to like a pub trivia on horror, everyone would be fucked. Like, I feel like we could knock it out of the park with the amount of knowledge that we have. Um, so I'm excited to delve into uh, a five part series that we're kind of taking five different, I wouldn't even say sub genres, I, I would just say five separate categories of horror. And we're delving into one every week, and we're, I'm not going to reveal what they all are. But tonight we're doing anthology movies. Um, so I this is a real treat. Every Friday in October, we're going to release one of these horror podcasts, and I I just think it's lovely. Yeah, and it it isn't a trick. It is a treat, and all treats across the board. Yeah, five treats. Yeah, and to to kind of double back on what you were saying about. You know, and the 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 foundation of this podcast, what it rests upon is the horror genre. You know, we have to consider I know we probably mentioned this throughout the other the previous episodes at some point, but that's how this podcast essentially came to fruition. This meeting of the minds was us having that having a discussion during the Halloween season of in 2019 where 
you know, you were talking about movies throughout the entirety of, of October and I didn't participate in the same thing, but I enjoyed having that back and forth with you where we was, were talking about movies that you were posting. And from there on, we're just like, well, you know, why, why don't we just make it official, baby, put a ring on it and do a show. Yeah, it's almost like at the very beginning of November, it culminated uh, to use a visual image in Ichi the Killer. Uh, both of our sperm kind of splashed atop a plant and melded together and started dripping down atop uh, atop the concrete. Yeah. So now, and now we have the golem that we've set forth. That's <laughs> that is Midnight Flicks. That. Um, Basically, is for uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, pretty much our own enjoyment. With the, with the exception of a handful of of dedicated people, there was actually people that were there was a couple people I think that messaged me when I, uh, I I made some sort of mention. I think I don't know. Somehow it came up on social media where we were going to do this again, and and I had one person in particular was like, "Oh, I'm looking forward to." it coming back so i was like oh that makes that makes one of you that makes one of you we're in Um, we're in baby this one's for you this one's for that dude or or girl (laughs) uh but yeah i think it'll be great a good departure here to do some some mini sods on some horror shit and then get back to uh what we do best uh probably after the winter season or the deep dive somewhere in in the winter season we'll probably get cabin fever and want to just hop on the mics and do a season two of midnight flicks but in the interim uh why don't we talk about anthology movies a little bit here yeah anthology movies or better known as mini horror movies within a larger uh overarching horror horror tale yes if you will i'm glad and, you, you went that direction go ahead what were you gonna say oh i was gonna say now i feel for maybe some people out there i i haven't really necessarily met anybody but this is a, a thing that i definitely had heard and i've read horror anthologies i feel like are kind of polarizing to a certain extent for some people i suppose i've always personally enjoyed them some of my favorite horror movies I would say our anthologies and we'll be talking about them tonight. But I think because um, the quality of them can be pretty hit or miss, maybe they're not exactly the favored genre, subgenre of horror. But anyways, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I personally, yeah. I, I really like them a lot. No, I, I'm with you. So for anyone who's, for whatever reason, maybe you're tuning in and you're not privy to what we're talking about. The basic formula for any anthology horror movie is typically like an interstitial story that is returned to throughout that sometimes features a host of sorts that's introducing each short story. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the interstitial story is actually part of the other shorts. And it's anywhere from like three to five short stories, but rarely are you ever treated to a movie where Every story is a home run. So I think that's where we get the uh, divide with people because oftentimes there's like one or two standouts on an, on an anthology horror movie and then the rest are like average to forgettable. But what I love about anthology horror movies is that 
even if you're not digging whatever story you're currently watching, you just have to wait like 20 minutes and you're already into another story. So like it, it passes, it passes quickly enough to where even dreadful shit, which I would turn off if I knew I had 90 minutes of it, I would sit through knowing that I, I have a story around, around the corner, but I could see why people aren't into them. Yeah. And I think, for me personally, my love for them comes from not only that they were some of the some of the earliest horror that I personally watched, but also I grew up watching Tales from the Crypt and Tales from the Dark Side to a certain extent, even though the series itself started a little bit earlier. I was a little bit younger. Tales from the Crypt, the 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 the, the show was right at this sweet spot for me where I was, you know, it was a, it was it was seminal for me, so I think that's also why I have an appreciate for these sort of movies because of that connection. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. I'll that I, much no, that's least. a good that's a good point. I think, in a, in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a foray into horror for a lot of children. <laughs> I think people start with some some piece of anthology like creep show or like you said uh you know tales from the crypt or uh tales from the dark side or whatever the fuck uh, i think maybe a lot of people see a short and as like an eight or nine year old and that it goes from there so yeah i think it's an introduction in horror which is perfect that it's our first of this series then it's the introduction into our october um so the way we have structured these episodes is we've taken a a uh, midnight flicks classic of good, bad, questionable, but we've changed it and called it the good, the bad, and the best. Where we're going to talk about the good, all the all the movies within that category that we like, the bad, and then we each pick our favorite, the very best of whatever category we're talking about. So for anthology. Why don't we start with the good? kick it off and then I'll toss it to you and we'll just we'll we'll kick this proverbial hacky sack back and forth um I maybe it's recency bias because this is what I was re-watching right before I hopped on here but body bags uh from 1993 is so much fun it it might actually be the most fun in terms of like pure enjoyment out of anything that I'll talk about tonight it is just all three stories are great. It's just super fun. The interstitial story with John Carpenter uh, as the coroner is just fucking awesome. Like everything is so good about it. Um, and then I didn't know this part, but I read that Body Bags was Showtime's uh, uh, answer to Tales from the Crypt, which is an HBO show. I did not know that like Body Bags was originally supposed to be like a anthology TV series. And they had filmed a handful of these episodes and then decided that they wanted to cancel it. And then John Carpenter was like, nah, I'll just pick my favorite ones. And then 
make a movie out of it. And that's exactly what he did. And then Toby Hooper ended up helping him in directing as well. But it is so good. Like all three of those stories are just like so much fun. I love um, the the hair transplant one, which is the second story, ends up being uh, a direct uh, Treehouse of Horror episode for The Simpsons. Um, there in in the last one, which features Mark Hamill as a baseball player who gets like an eye transplant. Uh, there's great there's great stuff in there. You get like Twiggy and Charles Napier, which is like a, a Blues Brothers reunion of sorts, which is super tight. I just think the whole thing is awesome, and it made me think. This is really random and weird, but why is Debbie Harry? <laughs> Debbie Harry is in body bags, and it made me think. I remember she's in Tales from the Dark Side. Like, why is Debbie Harry just randomly in in uh, two of these anthology movies? It, it's so strange. I was so if, if we weren't we aren't giving out awards uh, for these uh, for these episodes, but I would give Debbie Harry like some sort of. Uh, some sort of Dick Miller award for, <laughs> for right. just randomly being in one of these. Have you seen body bags? And what do you think? Yeah, I actually have seen body bags. I own, I've had a VHS copy of it for quite a long no, time. You have a VHS copy. That's tight. Yeah, I have a, I have a, a promo copy of it. Wow. Uh, oh shit. Yeah. Um, and I remember it. I, so I enjoyed it quite a bit. Now, I will say comparatively to some of the other things we'll talk about tonight, it didn't quite stick for me as well, but I do enjoy it. And I'll tell you what, as far as a stacked cast, it's the most stacked cast of anyone we're going to talk about easily. Yeah. Yeah. We've got Carpenter, Toby Hooper, like you said, Wes Craven's in it. Sam Raimi's in it. Roger Corman's in it. So you got all these at the end. Tom you know, Arnold is like just randomly one of the one of the court, more of the morticians. <laughs> yeah, just like these these big big wigs, like Godfathers of horror, are all playing cameos in it. They're involved with it, you know, and on multiple levels. Um, also, this would have been sick if it would have worked out. Clyde Barker was actually supposed to take part in it as well, Shit. but he couldn't. Damn, but that would that would have been amazing. But yeah, uh, like I said, Debbie Harry, Mark Hamill, Twiggy, like there's there's a lot of all stars in this one. It's for great. sure. It's just it's so much fun. So it it made my it definitely made my good. Um, what what good do you have? So I'm glad that you mentioned Debbie Harry, because for my good, I I was going to mention I'm going to mention two movies, but I'm going to give more emphasis to one because I think it's the better of the two. Uh, But Tales from the Dark Side and Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, I've always loved that. Uh, I don't think it quite gets the kudos that it deserves as an anthology, but I personally love it a lot. And I think every story in it is great. In fact, one of the stories is like one of my favorite anthology movie uh, shorts of all time. And that's the one that has uh, James Remar and Radon Chung in it, um, where I don't know 
how much you remember or recall. Did, ha, ha, did you tell me you had seen it or not? Yeah. So I didn't rewatch it for the purposes of this episode. So uh, and I haven't seen Tales from the Dark Side in a long time. I remember Steve Buscemi in the opening one with the mummy, the sarcophagus and all that. And then I remember Cat, the, the cat from hell or whatever the fuck it's called. The second one, because it's a Stephen yeah. King short, I think, right. that George Romero made into a. Uh, uh, a screenplay and it's got David Johansson in it. So those are the two that I remember. You must be referencing the other one that I, I just can't recall. Yeah. All three of them are great. I love them. But the last one, which is the one that is about James Remars is a down on his luck artist. One night he has uh, an unfortunate run in with a gargoyle. Um, this gargoyle just completely slaughters um, his friend, who was the bartender of the bar he was at, right in front of his eye, just just devours his friend. Now. Yeah, yeah, I know. And yeah, and the gargoyle says, basically, with, so he, James Remar isn't killed, but he is forced to take a vow from the gargoyle, and that is that he is to never, ever, ever speak of this event, never tell anybody his entire life. So he is like. He is, you know, sworn to secrecy. he had, he had, yeah, he's sworn to secrecy and his life is spared. And the twist is that immediately after he, he meets this beautiful woman who's played by Ray Dong Chong and they fall in love becomes this, you know, completely like fairy tale sort of situation. And the twist is at the end, 10 years into their marriage, happily married, He's become a very successful artist. They have two kids. He decides he finally has to tell somebody. So he tells his wife about the gargoyle. Oh, that's and right. Oh, my God. The twist yeah. is that she's the gargoyle. And and their children are gargoyle gargoyles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, you fucking idiot. I told you never to say anything. And she slashes his throat. And, and then they fly off. And then they are themselves entombed as a statue on top of the building. That's so right. That's right. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's a story where nobody, and that's the thing with a lot of these tales is like, there nobody wins ever in these stories. I feel like with all these anthologies, like they always turn out the worst for everybody. They and always, that's a classic. Yeah. It's always like a monkey's paw situation of just like failed fucking wish after wish that just ends in complete sorrow and destitution. What's wrong? I'm not making this up. I'm telling you the truth. You promised you'd never tell! So, yeah, and actually, I feel like I like really, really, I, I, I enjoyed rewatching it this time so much that it, it bumped it up a few notches for me as far as um, my appreciation. So that's my good. I wanted to give a pre brief nod in the goods also to the actual original Tales from the Crypt movie. Um, it's basically the granddaddy of all of these. And right, um, so, excuse my ignorance. This might be this is going to come as a, a, a shocking revelation here. I was like never like a I never delved into any tales from the crypt. I remember like seeing the Crypt Keeper 
on HBO yeah. as a kid and being like, freak the fuck out. I've seen Bordello of Blood. That's like my only fucking uh, foray into any Tales of the Crypt shit. Is that what you're speaking of specifically or you're talking about something else? No. So Tales from the Crypt, the movie. Oh, okay. Uh, I see what you're saying. Was, was, it, it was released in, in 1970 and it was an adaptation of the the infamous EC comics of the same name and also yeah yeah, yeah. you know so and it essentially uh, you know was the direct inspiration those those comics and that movie was the direct inspiration for so many things and it directly inspired a lot of these later horror directors to make their own anthologies in fact it directly inspired creep show yeah one thing i wanted to say yeah one thing I want to say real quick also uh, in regards to Tales from the Dark Side is uh, that actually was considered unofficially Creepshow 3. Oh, so okay. The story of the Cat from Hell was actually supposed to be uh, was supposed to be in Creepshow 2 and didn't make the cut. So it was re uh, it was brought it, it was resurrected for Tales from the Dark Side. They were going to call it Creep Show Three. I can't remember exactly why, but essentially they changed their mind. Um, it does feel very they, Creep Showy, even though anthology movies all kind of feel very similar. That it feels very, very similar to what a Creep Show vibe has. Yeah, well, George Romero and Stephen King both had a hand in Tales from the Dark Side hence as well. The, yeah, hence the connections. Yeah. So anyways, so I want to bring that up. But so Tales from the Grip, the original one, also very good. I will say there's aspects of it that (laughs) didn't age well. (laughs) Um, Some of the stories aren't like the greatest. Um, There's this kind of there's the overarching the wraparound story with the Crypt Keeper um, that is kind of almost Christian in its in, oh, in its na- in its nature because all of the um, the participants in the movie or basically the crypt the crypt keeper is talking to five participants um, in each story um, where he's basically it's kind of like this trick kind of aspect of the plot where you think that he is giving them a, a look into their own future when, when in fact he's talking about things that already happened to them. And then he recounts each tale that way. So each participant that he's talking to is a part of the story and they either did something horrible or whatever in the story. And then the end, basically uh, they all go to hell. <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge shit. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's really is. It kind of has that, um, you know, kind of, uh, um, what is it? A, 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 a Christmas story or whatever yeah, um, yeah, yeah. kind of vibe to it. But anyways, so it's a good movie. It's not my favorite of, um, the anthologies that, you know, I, I grew up watching, but it, it's good enough. And I, and I like to give it a nod at least because it, it spawns so many other things. And, and so I'm going to lump those two together in my good, uh, tales from the dark side and tales from the crypt. Two tales. 
Two tails. Well, um, the other one I was going to bring up for good is uh, Three Extremes, which we've uh, talked about off mic, but um, it's one of the ones other than Body Bags that I actually revisited because I hadn't seen it in a minute. And that Dumplings, uh, Dumplings is the one that opens it up. And it's actually it was actually made into a feature length movie. It was so it was it's clearly the, the best of of the three. Um, and for anyone that's not familiar with Three Extremes, it's it's three like East Asian directors. Uh, it's uh, Takashi Miki probably being the most famous of which, but uh, Park Chan Wook and and Fruit Chan are also direct two segments as well. But the dumplings episode that opens it up directed by fruit Chan is so fucking gnarly and good. There's just so much shit in it that like, I just don't feel like would pass censors here in the States. Like, cause it's all about just using fucking backroom abortions to like, uh, like some fucked up fountain of youth that she's like putting into the dumplings and selling to like uh, asshole customers who are <laughs> trying to seek some sort of rejuvenation. Uh, it is so good. And it still holds up. I was still like grossed the fuck out. And I knew like what was going on. The Takashi Miki one is actually the weakest of the three. It's just like a fucking oh, wow. weird fever dream. It, it's still just so strange. It's like strange even for him. Um, and then the Park Chan Wook one, which I I think it's called the Cut, is like a super meta, like uh, saw kind of revisionist shit, <laughs> like an extra from a uh, from from a director's movies. And then the director doesn't recognize him, but this extra has been in like five of his movies, like abducts him and his wife, and she's set up in like some weird saw contraption where. She's like a famous pianist and he's cutting off her fingers like slowly. If the director doesn't give him what he wants, it's it's actually fucking great. It's so good. Um, Yeah, I haven't seen this one. And just from you talking about it, I definitely have to check it out by by the end of, of October. And from what I gathered, it it is in in every aspect very Asian in its aesthetic in a lot of ways, yeah, just in, in terms of, of its because it because it, so it came out in two thousand four, so it's riding that cusp of like gross out Japanese body horror that was yeah. like super prevalent back then. So yeah, um, it's definitely in that niche. Like all three of those stories are are very much so. Um, all about that. Uh, I'll toss it back to you. You got any more good? I will. I'll, I'm going to throw in there as far as good goes. I'm also going to throw in Creepshow 2. Okay. Now. Did you, but you haven't you know, even thrown in Creepshow 1. Well, there's a reason for that. Shit. Okay, go ahead. But Creepshow 2, I would throw in as good. It definitely does not live uh, live up to the quality of its predecessor, but it has one of the one tale in particular in it that gave me almost fucking nightmares when I was younger. The and that's the hitchhiker. Yeah, the hitchhiker. The hitchhiker is so scary. It's so good.
the hitchhiker is worth it alone uh to watch now granted some of the other stories definitely aren't that great in fact there's some that i don't even really remember the ones i remember the most though obviously again is the hitchhiker and i remember another one that was about basically uh, a haunted or evil lake yeah the wrath that's the best one the wrath yeah the i remember you saying you were saying that that was your favorite one yeah the wrath is my favorite one my favorite one is 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 the hitchhiker for sure. Hitchhiker's great. The raft is great. Um, part of Creepshow Two is in my bad, so I'll save that for for the bad. <laughs> but um, yeah, the raft is is my favorite Creepshow segment, and and uh, uh, the hitchhiker is up there too. Though I'm I'm glad you brought you brought that one up. Um, I've got yeah one more. What do you have? Okay. For good? Yeah, I didn't know how many more you had. I didn't want to be have it be disproportionate here. Well, I mean, I don't want to go too too much detail because again, there there are movies that I feel like I still need to revisit. But I I really I do like Asylum a lot. You said you didn't get a chance to watch it. Yeah, so. you mentioned Asylum. I haven't seen it. And also, um, well, I don't know if I'm giving away too much, but I would put in my good trick trick or treat. Yeah. So. so we're 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 going to step on our uh, on each other's dicks a little bit here. Um, <laughs> for the same reason you don't have creep show in your good is the same reason I don't have trick or treat in my good and for obvious reasons right. I've kind of already given away our best. <laughs> right. Well, so that's where I, I didn't we'll, we'll save those discussions for for the finale then. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what I would say. And then um, we did talk about this a little bit off mic, but uh, Black Sabbath yes, also. Yeah, Black Sabbath is uh, is probably the oldest anthology horror movie that I still fucking think holds up. Like, uh, right. it's Mario Bava, obviously. Um, I, I actually only remember the Wardalac, the the middle one, because Boris Karloff is in it and he's like hunting down like an ancient demon and it's fucking terrifying. Yes. If you just love well, first of all, all Mario Bava stuff has similar aesthetics, but if you just love running around like weird ancient castles with like cobwebs and shit everywhere and like hunting down uh, like vampire hunter shit, demon hunter stuff, like it's it, he's got the gothic horror thing fucking nailed oh absolutely yeah so yeah i I think black Black sabbath is a good one to mention um the only other one i was gonna throw onto the the heap of good was a more modern one which is vhs um yes that one yes i'm glad you brought that up yes yeah did you like it too i like vhs one and two actually vhs two has of both of them probably my favorite uh short yeah vh I, I so what's your favorite on two i can't remember the name of it particularly but it's about it's the one about the cult yes that's into yeah you're right that one's super that one's that one's so fucked that up that one's super creepy and weird yeah i and I, yeah and go ahead i've i've seen and heard multiple multiple people and references to that particular one where they're like this is what, this is what makes this anthology is how fucked up and insane the cult uh, short is because the one with that is it just it's one of those it's one of those movies 
that just ratchets up more and more and gets more and more fucking insane until the very end. And there's like multiple twists to it that kind of like you don't see coming. So I can't remember if so I'm looking at the um, I'm looking at the list of of movies and I can't really tell just based on the name uh, which one it is. Um, I feel like it has to be that. No, it's not the Adam Wingard one. So Adam Wingard uh, directs one in in one and two. Um, is it the is oh it's Safe Haven. That's what it is. Yes, that's what it is because it's directed. Um, I remember it had uh, foreign directors. Yeah, it's because it's Indonesian. It's an Indonesian cult movie. Yes, that's right. Okay, Safe Haven is what it's called. Yeah, Safe Haven fucking rules. But the so yeah. the original VHS I think is great because it's a great. I, it's a perfect example of like rejuvenating a um, an idea that has been around for thirty or forty years and then making it mm-hmm. semi relevant to today. And it's yeah. it's got uh, at the time great up and coming like Ty West has a segment on it. Adam Wingard had a segment on it. The, those radio silence dudes did one. They have that fucking nutter butter one that concludes, um, that concludes the first, uh, VHS. Um, so I, I think, I think that's a good example of a modern one that really fucking knocks it out of the park. And yeah. And, and two surprisingly is great as well. Um, yeah, that's good. Okay. So actually, yeah. real quick, sure. let's keep this going a little bit because I'm I'm going through the list here of anthology movies. I'm gonna give a we'll give some real quick honorable mention good nods to some other ones. Sure. That I, Go ahead. That, that I feel like also need to be mentioned. Cat's Eye. Do you ever see Cat's Eye? I have. I I think Cat's Eye is just super fucking boring, but. Um, I, I don't remember very much of it for what it's worth. I can revisit. We'll it. move on on that one. Then. <laughs> we did talk about this one. We should bring it up as well. We talked about this off the mic when we were having the discussion about this uh, trilogy of terror. Yes. Yeah. Trilogy of terror is a classic uh, 80s example of what we're talking about. Yeah. The trilogy of terror is great. That's from the 70s. Shit. I thought it was like early 80s. Okay. Shit. Even no, it's well. I'm pretty sure it's from the 70s, but yeah. You're probably right. of Terror. It's based off of Robert Matheson short stories. Robert Matheson, for those of you that don't know, uh, wrote um, I Am Legend. That's right. Um, among but yes. other, a million other things. Yeah, amongst 1975. Other, but You're right. I, shit, I thought that was like an easement. Okay. That's a good one. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? I know there was another one. that there. There's one that I... <sighs> I just passed and I'm not going to put it in good. I'm actually going to put it in a different category when we get to that point. Maybe. uh, Yeah, we'll talk about that one in in, in a second. But I I wanted to mention those as well. So we'll we'll give some honorable mentions to those. You can bring up your bad because I'm ready to talk bad if you if we want to move on. Um. Let me let me just double triple check. Okay. Oh yeah, that there, there was another one that I want to mention also that I think is quite good. Haven't watched it in a while. I feel like if 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 anybody's listening that has not watched it, I want to give it a nod of recognition. Tales from the Hood, also a great anthology. I was going to mention it too, but I I just didn't you know. 
I had to narrow it down to a handful of good, but yeah, I would throw that on there too. Definitely. So, so that I'm going to, I'm going to wrap, I'm going to wrap up my good with a bow with that one and we'll move on. Good. <laughs> no pun okay. intended. Um, so do we want to move into bad? If you're ready, we'll move into bad because I'm really, Oh man. My bad I, is, I, is a little I, out of the box though. So I think mine's going to be a little out of the box for you as well. And I, it's going to be complicated for me to talk about it. Let's put it that way. But I, I want you, I want you to, I want you to say the course here. Tell me what is your bad. So mine's more, mine is, isn't anything specific outside of, uh, Old Chief Woodenhead, which is the first uh, segment in Creepshow 2, just has like right. a bunch of super outdated, like stereotypical shaman, like Native American shit and uh, like trippy shaman of uh, flute shit going pan flute shit going on throughout the whole thing. Like, it just doesn't like it just doesn't hold up in terms of. <laughs> what 2020 uh, would have canceled old chief Woodenhead. Um, it's it, and it leads off creep show too, which is super weird. So you start in like a fucking rut and then you work your right. way out. Cause I think the raft comes right after and the raft fucking rips. Um, so th- outside of that specific segment, the other bad that I was going to bring up was, um, I feel like there's not really any good horror sequel anthology horror sequels. We talked about creep show too. And we talked about VHS too. Those are two right. good examples. But yeah. there's also a litany of really bad jumping the shark when it comes to anthology horror um, that they just are doing money grabs for second sequels. I mean, VHS 2 was followed by VHS Viral, which is fucking unwatchable. It's so bad. Um, I've never seen it. It's just yeah. terrible. ABCs of Death, which is actually is a super jarring like breakneck anthology that like every letter represents a different death. Yeah. Like A stands for this death. It's actually super fun. That one's actually a super fun anthology. It's followed up by not only ABCs of death two, which is f- fucking awful, but that's followed by ABCs of death two and a half. Like they just keep <laughs> milking the shit out of some of these. Um, and you brought up tales from the hood and the tales from the hood two fucking movie is awful it's so bad it, it just it <laughs> sucks so bad but they were like you know what was popular tales from the hood let's reboot it and just do a sequel and it sucks so i feel like anthology runs into the trappings of really bad second installments outside of creep show 2 and, and vhs 2 sure sure but i feel like <laughs> that could be applied to just about anything when it comes to movies, you know, sequels don't always land. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's not in rare occasions. They're better than the first one, but, but like, you know, there's series of movies where I'm like, I'm down for two. Like I can name a million different, you know, movie series that I'm like, fuck yeah. yeah, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. But I don't know what it is about anthology movies where they try to, reclaim the magic of of the original and it it always sucks i can't say that about sequels because off the top of my head i just think of how fucking rad like lethal weapon and rocky and star wars and like all these fucking movies i'm like hell yeah keep giving me i just keep giving it to me 
And with anthology, I'm like, stop giving it to me. Give me something new. Yeah. I just want a one-off thing and then just give me something new. For sure. And yes, I grant you that. That 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 of of uh specific kind of subgenre um sequels, they are particularly um uh abhorrent. They particularly <laughs> yeah, uh, abhorrent, yes. And unnecessary. Abhorrent yeah, and unnecessary. It is unnecessary. That's true. So uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add? That with was my bad. I just wanted to bring up Old Chief Woodenhead uh, and and the fact that all these sequels kind of suck. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> now, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to start this off with a bit of a disclaimer. I feel like I'm um, about to get pissed. No, no, you're not. You're not oh, gonna get okay. pissed at all. <laughs> Now, friend, uh, uh, friends, followers, listeners of the podcast that have been regular listeners, I should say, are probably at least somewhat aware, if not fully aware, of our shared mutual love for one man. And that is Mr. Glenn Danzig. <laughs> we haven't brought up his name in a while. <laughs> we haven't brought up his name in a while. That's why I say, you know, unless you go all the way back. You may not be aware That's of the true. fact that we, we we try to include Glenn as a regular part. Of, <laughs> we had to drop it because it just wasn't working. Yes, That's we, true. Yeah, we were trying to find Glenn Danzig reviews of all the movies that we were talking about, and they're just there's only so many. So we had we had to drop it. I, I as much as it pained me to do so, and as much as it pains me to talk about what I'm going to talk about. We, we couldn't we couldn't keep it going so whatever um but yeah for me personally Danzig looms large in my life he's a huge influence and there's a part of me still to this day that feels that someday I will meet him shake his hand have a conversation with him I came very very close this last time I went to see Danzig. And uh, which ended up in him more or less calling me a pig fucker. Jesus Christ. That's about <laughs> that's on brand. Not directly. He basically he said it to a group of people that were waiting outside the tour bus in the rain to meet him. He said, hold on, pig fuckers. <laughs> but yeah. I took it particularly personal <laughs> because fuck, uh, you fuck pigs because I fuck pigs. <laughs> I was like, how did he know? <laughs> How did he know? Maybe Danzig knows me, and I, and, and I and I don't know it. Uh, um, so, anyways, so being the Danzig lover, complete completionist, admirer that I am, of course, I had to watch Veronica. Oh God, we were fuck. We were gonna even make a whole episode about Veronica, and I haven't gotten around to watching it. Fuck. Well, well, my friend. Please do not give up the dream on that because I insist that we watch Veronica. Wait, is Veronica an anthology movie? Veronica is an anthology, and it just so happened to be opportune that I watched it last night because I had been meaning to watch it. I would have watched it immediately if I could have, but basically I couldn't watch it right away. And, you know, the the, the votes had been cast almost immediately about this movie that I was in for a real fucking treat. <laughs> and then you this. got a trick instead. 
Well, no, I didn't. I actually got almost exactly what I expected and then some. But anyways, so yesterday while I was at work, Charlotte sends me um, a post via Instagram through the This Day in Danzig account that said Veronica now on Shudder. And I was like, oh, this is perfect because we're talking about anthologies. I'm like, you know, I'm killing two birds with one stone here. I can finally watch Veronica and I can talk about it on this podcast. And sure enough, that's what I did last night. Oh, my God. So, wow. So I'm excited to talk about this, but it also pains me because once again, I feel like someday I will meet Danzig. And in, in my in my fantasy world, I will be friends with Danzig. And I'm an honest man. And I have a guilty conscience when it comes to things like if I've ever talked shit about you, it's hard for me to be your friend because I'm like, I've already like I've already thought of this person in an ill light. I can't reconcile within myself, you know, that I can be friends with them. That, that, that depends on what extent I've talked shit about that. So the same goes with this. I watched this movie last night and I had heard that it was a smoldering infernal piece of shit and boy was that ever correct i'm I'm just so jealous i I want to see it let me let me let me put it this way on imdb the rating score is 1.9 now you have to be so bad to get a 1.9 on imdb like there are some real fucking horse shit movies that at least have like a three and a half to four to five. So to stoop to this level, this critical level of just, you know, garbage pile, you got to be particularly just spectacularly uniquely bad. And this movie is on the level that I was we made the comment when we were watching it that Veronica is in the same kind of weird parallel reality kind of of movie making that creates things like the room. Yeah, and or, that's all I ever heard was that it's like the horror version of the room. It absolutely 100% is it's like the room, uh faithful findings, birdemic, these movies that are made like almost as like outsider art by the minds of people that that have serious psychological issues but do not recognize it in themselves serious delusions of grandeur or such a such a detachment from your own an obliviousness of your own self-reflection to be able to create something like this, to put to, to toil and put blood, sweat and tears into and money and think at the end of the day, after you've made this, that this is something that needs to be bestowed to the public. Now, anybody that knows Glenn Danzig well from reading about him, maybe even personally knows that, you know, there's conflicting stories, but by and large, he is a sing- he is singular in his vision. He is singular in his assessment of his own self worth, and a lot of it is rightly so. The man is a genius in certain ways and is foundational 
to the trajectory and progression of rock music, starting from the Misfits on up to Danzig, you know, the band. Now, but those of you who are a fan of his work also know that for a good 20 years now, maybe plus, depending on, you know, how much of a super fan you are, the output that he has thrust into the world creatively has been pretty... Yeah, it's much to be desired. A lot of these Danzig records that he's been pumping out, not the best stuff. Yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. You didn't want to say anything bad about Danzig, but it's like, I mean, I don't, I mean, I haven't listened to it, but like, have you listened to any of like, I fucking like Black Laden Crown or some shit? Like, I, don't, I don't know what those albums get, sound like, but I'm sure they sound like shit. Yeah, I give everything Danzig puts out a listen. And Is Black Laden Crown good? No, it's only, not. The only one I can think of that's like a recent thing. I, I don't even know. that There was that like 666 album. I don't know. That, that one came well, out. 666 Satan's Child. Basically, this is the thing. <laughs> Most reasonable individuals that, uh, that <laughs> do not have a, a very personal attachment to the work of Lynn Danzig basically feel like he as a musician or an artist, like he fucking, he got shot to Planet Melmar like after Danzig 3. Now, I feel like that's an ultra, ultra, ultra critical assessment. Like, I love Danzig 4. I like Danzig 5. Danzig 5 really is where a lot of people, like, they're just like, fuck this. I'm, I'm gone. Because Danzig 5 was the one where the original band left or got fired, and he just completely was like, I'm going to be Trent Reznor or whatever. And it sounds completely different from everything else he's done before. And then progressively from there on, it, like, the album's – you know, they just have this kind of like modern production and sound to them that just never, ever like recaptures the old days. Anyways, there, there, and there's a certain like, I don't know, like there's a, almost like a self parodying aspect of it where like, you know, you can't take it seriously. Danzig becomes full cartoonish Danzig man from this point on. And so it's no surprise that in his twilight years here, as a dark prince of music and punk rock and and metal that he endeavors to create a movie which is this is the thing i'm a musician i've been a musician for a long time i've also you know been highly interested in film for about the same amount of time and have had interest in making film myself i know as well as everybody else does that has any like a sense that like making a movie is far, far, far more difficult than recording fucking music and making music and, and all those things to a certain extent. So, you know, if you're not if you're not knocking them out of the park or doing so hot in the music realm, I don't know, man. Like, if you try to, like, you know, jump into becoming a director and a movie, uh, you know, a movie auteur, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough tough fucking uh, go uh, for you. And, and this movie proves that in spades that, that Danzig, like as much as he may be a f- interested in and loves film and knows a lot about a f- uh, film horror movies, which I know he does. He didn't do the homework or put in the real fucking, uh, you know, put in the hours on learning how to actually make a good film. This movie is fucking horrendous. From top top to bottom is like one of the worst fucking movies I've ever seen. And that says something because I like 
shitty movies. But that's the thing. I like it because it is, again, so far out there as far as bad fucking movies go. Um, so that's Veronica in a nutshell without me even talking about the movie at all. Like it is like insanely bad. Well, I think actually <laughs> going to details of the movie would actually be painfully fucking boring. Cause talking about bad movies is actually tough to make like actual discussion out of. So, I, well, I, I will say this, I'm going to say this much. The cast is essentially <laughs> porn stars and strippers. And what seems to be like Danzig's roadies. And they all decided we're going to make a movie. <laughs> there, there's a few people in it that are actual like trained seasoned actors. Like it's funny. There's one story where uh, there's it involves a murderous stripper called the mystery girl who carves faces off of women and collects them. And the detective on duty to uh, that's assigned to the case is a guy that's been in movies since the eighties and apparently was in karate kid three. So it's this weird hodgepodge of mostly, like I said, just like not, not what would be considered expert actors. And, and then some like people that like have just been in, in the industry for years that never got cut a break. So they're just willing to kind of take whatever gets thrown their way. And of course, like if they hear, oh, you know, Danzig made a movie. Fuck. Yeah. You know, give me a shot at this and, you know, whatever. Like it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to make any difference to them. But just like the cast alone is like crazy, bad and weird. And just like, you know, from again, just like this, <laughs> like just cold from like, you know, uh, a crop that isn't necessarily like suitable for making like what would be considered quality movies, but also like the cinematography is horrible. The editing's horrible. The soundtrack's horrible. Like everything about it is sheer fucking garbage to the point where it's actually entertaining to watch. So that's, it just, it pushed it to the, uh, like the, uh, like completely into like, you know, like, uh, uh, like into that category of so fucking bad that you could like sit around and watch it with your friends and just like lose your shit watching it. So that's what I got to say about Veronica. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it sounds like a, a hot pile of trash. I can't wait to watch it. Um, yeah. I want you, I want you to watch it and we need to talk about it further. We need to delve into it further. But anyways, <laughs> I digress. Let's move forward and wrap this up. The best. We each pick our favorite anthology horror movie. And I picked, as we alluded to earlier, Trick or, uh, trick or Treat. Uh, yes. Depending on I, these these years kind of get fucked up. I think it, it made its uh, I, I think it made its its runs in, in 2007 in, in festivals, but officially a yeah. 2009 release. But anyway, the beauty of Trick or Treat is that there's not really an interstitial story like I was alluding to off the top, but all the segments are just kind of intertwined in a 
beautifully harmonious way that you actually to the point where you actually forget that you're watching an anthology movie. It just feels like a feature length film. Um, But in reality, it's just a perfectly executed anthology story. Uh, Not to mention that it is a celebration of Halloween and a lovingly crafted piece of cinema dedicated to the art of trick-or-treating. It's simply delightful. Like, it's just, it gives me all the warm and fuzzies. It gives me everything that I feel Halloween is about. Um, It also gives us Sam, who has since become a horror icon. Like, I legit, whenever I go to a Halloween store, I see Sam costumes. I see Sam mechanical fucking things everywhere. I see the lolly, the jagged lollipop shit everywhere. Like it's a merchandise from a merchandising perspective is genius. Um, right. And outside of like the crypt keeper from tales from the crypt, there's like not a single anthology series that we've talked about that has produced a character as iconic as Sam to the point where he actually like trick or treat has its own themed scare zone at Halloween horror nights uh, at universal studios. Like it, yeah. it is fucking huge. It's so big. Um, and it it never gets old. Like I watch it every single Halloween since it's come out, and it is simply delightful. It's so good. I I absolutely adore it, and it is at the top of my anthology list. The best, the best, baby. What do you have yeah. to say well, about Trick or Treat? I, I want to add. I feel like it is worthy of all the acclaim that you're getting. The only reason why I didn't put it there was because, for one, I actually came to that movie fairly late. Um, I saw it maybe a year or so, year or two after it came out. Um, I was told about it by a guy I knew. He's like, you gotta watch this. He actually gave me a dubbed VHS copy of it. And I watched it and I loved it. And I've seen it a couple times since. And yeah, everything he said about it is true. It's very well, um, it's very well crafted in the sense that it's interwoven to feel like one kind of continuous movie. Uh, and, um, I think the only reason why I wouldn't put it in the best is because again, it doesn't have that place in my heart. That's the movie that I will talk about does because it goes so far back into, you know, the reset, my person. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like the, you know, the, the very, very beginnings of any notions of me being into this sort of stuff. Um, and that would be the movie creep show, which I feel like is the ultimate anthology horror movie. And I love every story in that first creep show, as opposed to you, who you feel like some of them are a little weak, but not only do I love the movie itself, but I also have the comic book and I got the comic book. Like when I was really young too, from the, from the library. And so the, you know, having it complemented with the movie itself, it just really, rooted itself into my subconscious as being the essential the quintessential uh horror anthology and like uh the tied you over story the one with ted danson and leslie nielsen yeah that was genuinely like the story the stories in that are genuinely scary to me but also it's got that that perfect mix of being really scary but also funny like it's got like there's a black comedy humor aspect to it definitely yeah 
And it also has like a fucking just like stacked ass cast, like we were talking about with uh with body bags. It's like you got Tom Atkins who's in the wraparound story. You got Stephen King who does a cameo. You've yeah, got Tom Atkins plays the dad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've got uh, Leslie Nielsen, Ted Danson, you got Adrian Barbeau. You know, it's just like on and on and on. There's like so many great, memorable uh, actors and characters in this. Um, Adrian Barbeau in particular, because like I've always had like a crush on her. I think she's a fucking babe. Um, so that is my very, very, very top. I wanted to add also because when I was going through the list, just kind of like double check. That I would say honorary mention in the best for me also is Twilight Zone, the movie, as far as uh, anthologies goes, because that is another one that like goes way, way back into the recesses of my brain and has like some of my favorite short movie stories in an anthology that just always to this day, like still creep me out, like in particular, you know, the. Um, the what is it the the airplane one I'm, I'm drawing a blank on what it's called but um, Nightmare at uh, then, 20,000 feet yeah the one with with John Lithgow yeah and then the one about oh, the one about the the little kid that lives in the house with his family quote unquote where he's basically just like he's their psychic tormentor and he's not related to anyone. it's just like they're just his slaves they're yeah. his slave family and both of so, which are those are both I am a huge stan for Twilight Zone, like the Rod Serling 1960s Twilight Zone. Both, yeah. both of those are huge banger uh, original Twilight Zone ideas. But yeah, right. I I didn't even think to bring that that one up. That that would that should have been in my in my good as well. Um, maybe the, yeah. all the murdering of innocent people uh, on set that, that that maybe that knocked it off <laughs> out of there. <laughs> That yeah, uh, that is an unfortunate that is an unfortunate aspect of the creation of that movie, but also gives it that creepy you know folklorish yeah, like, like haunted curse curse movie sort of like you know aspect to it. Um, but obviously, of the two, Creep Show is my my numero uno. Chef Kissy Fingers, love it to death. Always will love it. I actually might even watch it tonight. Fuck it. I mean, even though, okay, so as of recording, you know, we're, we're not officially at October, but it is fall. So we might as well kick it off early. So maybe I'll, I mean, you know, you and I, we're both, we are always watching horror movies, but like there's something spe- specifically special and, and really like, you know, puts me in my happy place, uh, sort of, uh, when, when I, when I watch horror movies during the month of October and in the fall, particularly also, I would say particularly not just in the fall, but uh, during Midwest autumns. Now you, of course, you're still in the Midwest. And so you get to bask in the glory of Midwest autumns. I live on, you know, I live in the Pacific Northwest where we kind of have a semblance of something like it, but it's just not the same. Like nothing really beats an Indiana fall for me. And so I make that association also in my mind as watching movies during that time of year is really like, it soothes my soul. Yes. So. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I, uh, I'm stoked for it to get chilly out there and to yeah. start slamming cider and fucking doing bonfires and shit. Yeah. That, that yeah. Right up my alley. 
And right there, I mean, that's again, that goes, that's kind of all brings a full circle, like talking about the podcast and why we do it and, you know, why we're, we're doing a special, uh, uh, relating to this particular time of year and this season is because, I mean, it's, it's the best favorite. time of year. It's our fave. It's our favorite. It's the best time of year. And these movies are the best. So there you go. That's what I got to say about that. Great. Um, on our next episode for next week, we are discussing occult movies. So nice witches and warlocks and cults and shit. It'll be fucking great. Satan. That'll be so good. And I, I will, I I will almost pre ban us from talking about fucking midsummer. I, I, do not want to fucking talk about Midsummer, but oh, you're gonna you're gonna break some hearts out there. <laughs> it's gonna get brought up. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of other shit that I can I can bring up, but in the interim, um, you you can you'll wait for that. That'll be fucking great. Anything else you want to bring up before we fucking wrap this up? Did I mention Satan? What and our love for him or? Yes, I just wanted to bring it up once again. Occult, occult movies are about Satan. We, we love thank, Satan. Thanking in our outro. Thanks, Satan. We will thank Satan again and again. Um, I think that's it. Um, what else? Do you have anything else uh, that you needed to to bring up before we uh, we close this out for for no. for the evening? No, I can uh, I can fucking slam through that outro if you want. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for always providing us with our musical intros. She specifically wrote us a theme that goes alongside this banger of five episodes. So we're super appreciative to her for that. Um, If you're a band looking to submit a song or a listener looking to submit a question, Uh, feel free to shoot us an email at midnightflixpod at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at midnightflixpod. For Adam Walker, I'm Pat Mitchell. See you on the other side, bungholes. That was from Satan himself. It was an appearance. Ha, ha, ha.